two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us to fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the C-O-Double-M-O-N. Synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. I'm here with Tom DeRoma, Anthony uh, Quintero, and uh, I am yours truly, Anthony Gatto. Don't say my government name. Anthony Quintero, formerly known as the artist named Q. Currently known as Q. Tom, I know I've complimented him many times before, but that fucking hat is glorious. Yeah, it uh, it makes everyone smile. You know, I wear this in public, and people are just. So, so excited to see me. Well, they, they always want a sample, right? They're always looking for extra slices. Like, I got them just laying around. And of course, you give the people what they want. You give them the slices. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk around with, like, a pound of oven gold turkey in your pocket. And just, like, starts handing it out. I feel like people come up to you when you're wearing that hat, and they're just like, and I like the oven gold and the honey glazed and the roast beef and the cracked pepper turkey and I like the Lacey Swiss, and they're just naming everything on the fucking Boar's Head menu. I have the ticket that... thing hanging out of my jacket pocket so they can pull them and wait while I'm like, done standing at the bar. For, for anybody who doesn't know, we have transitioned into a exclusive Boar's Head uh, podcast from now on. This will be two hours of infomercial stuff. We're just going to start naming... <laughs> Welcome to the Butcher Block. It's actually pretty good. That's a great name, by the way. <laughs> um, for those I do who my are best work at night. For those who are out there listening, please give us a follow at um, our Instagram on, and you can follow us at Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow us at the same on Twitter and check out our YouTube channel that will have some clips and highlights from the show, um, as well as some information that we want you to be um, informed on. So again, this is a show that is supported by listeners like you and there's some laughs that we put on that uh that ig page or some good memes that we've able, been able to create particularly around uh hustle culture those are always fun so give us mm-hmm. a follow tom i have a i have a question uh, very no how are you feeling because for anybody who didn't realize we didn't have an episode last week because tom <laughs> decided it would be great to eat big old gas station sushi oh, i thought God, it was ceviche yeah, so, I thought it was ceviche from a guy who was missing teeth named Cooley. <laughs> so the reason why we didn't have a show last week was because I, in fact, got food poisoning. And that was an experience all into its own. So it was neither of those things. It was um, pulled pork from a barbecue place that we had the night before. Um, and I didn't. Put it in the microwave. 
I'm assuming it wasn't boar's head pulled pork. That I can't confirm, but I think the challenge was that we showed up like 20 minutes before they closed and it was pretty visible that they were annoyed that we were there that late when they're trying to shut the studio down. But we weren't even the last people to leave. There was like 10 or 12 people still sitting at the bar. So, Dude, did they, do you think they just like picked up like floor trimmings and like threw it on a bun for you? It just, could have been that. Tom, we won't, we won't mention got floor food. But they are our new sponsor. So just letting you know. They will be sending. I mean, it's fine. I'm just not going to eat the pulled pork off the menu. The <laughs> macaroni and cheese was fantastic. Um, it's got salmonella. Good. Everything was good. It's got cholera. I, have- yeah, I was basically sick Sunday night, Monday into Tuesday, and I started to feel better like Monday morning, this past Sunday. How, how was the pulled pork, though? Which way? I was going to say, <laughs> did you like it better on the way in or the way out? Um, <laughs> so both ways going, both times going in, it was pretty good. I'm not going to speak to the um, volume in which it came out. Now, I, I got food poisoning a couple of years ago and I ate at Buffalo. Uh, I'm not, you know, not going to say the name of the place. We'll just call it a uh, wing place that's very popular with sports. And I can't eat there ever again. Do you feel like it's actually certain type of buffalo wings too now? I, I can't. Are you now forever? You can share the name of the kind of buffalo wings though. <laughs> um, are you forever changed now with pulled pork? Do you think you could eat a pulled pork sandwich again or are you kind of, kind of scarred at this point? How many pulled pork sandwiches have you eaten since is my question. None, but I'm pretty sure I can eat it again. I did have a, a similar experience like you did though where in um, – in the second grade, the first or second grade, um, I had a cafeteria lunch and it did not go down. It did not sit well with me and I couldn't eat that particular kind of pizza for years. Was it like salad out of a can? No, it was like that, you know, like that cafeteria pizza, like it was like that box. Almost like Elio's. Yeah, kind of like that. So I think that I could probably eat pulled pork again. I'm not going to go right to the menu and get it, but I think I, I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> yeah. The worst part was when I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and I thought I was going to puke and I ran to the bathroom, nothing came out. And then I just fell asleep on the couch. And I <laughs> That sounds so familiar to my experience. Yeah, that was, uh, that was not fun. I knew I was getting sick too. Like, at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting on the couch. I was like, I don't feel well. And then like six o'clock rolls around and it's like all oh, hell's broken loose. Did you like have cold sweats all through the night? Yup. Yeah. Yeah. You can almost like feel it coming. Like even like before it kind of hits that fever pitch moment, you, you know, it's coming. Oh, for sure. It was bad. It was, I was not having a good time. Well, glad to see that you're still alive. So we're back here. Uh, back at it again. How was everybody's Super Bowl? It was pretty sick, actually. I was pleasantly surprised at that Super Bowl. I think some of the things at the end were kind of questionable, but I mean, I feel like we have more boring Super Bowls than fun Super Bowls as of late. And this one, for what it's worth, I think was entertaining. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, you know, so I think what was the last year was a blowout, right? I feel like it was closer on the scoreboard than the game felt. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was actually pretty great. Now, when it comes to Super Bowl parties, did you guys do anything special? Like, do you guys, do you guys have like a favorite dish or a favorite like pastime when it comes to Super Bowl? 
hold well, court. Well, we haven't even heard from Gatto how his Super Bowl was. It was all right. The Bengals had put up like 17 unanswered points. I, I kind of was just like, I knew that the Rams were just going to score a touchdown, and that was the end of that game. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great game. I think uh, Joe Burrow did everything he could. Um, credit to Matt Stafford. He he made the throws when he needed to make them. Um, Aaron Donald is a fucking monster. And uh, I, I, you know, I was watching the entire game. They were, they were double blocking him most of the game. It was, a, it was only a matter of time before he got home. Yeah. Got home at the biggest time. He, I do yeah. have a question though. And I want to know if either one of you are willing to defend this choice, but why was not, why was Aaron Donald not selected to be the, uh, the Super Bowl MVP? It's an interesting one. I thought it was kind of a correction because of Cooper Cup. And, and this is going to get into my, we can get this into this soon because I actually am going to go on a bit of a rant about uh, the MVP award. Uh, but I think it was a bit of a correction that like, we can't give you the MVP award to Cooper Cup. So we're going to give it to you. We're going to give the Super Bowl MVP to you. That's fair. That's a good one, actually. I would also want to say, you know, props to Raheem Morris for dialing in that defense in the second half and really shutting down the Bengals. Like, it's a nice little put, redemption story for him, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, they made that that very obvious move to put someone over center, and uh, it just completely tore that line to bits, and they just ha- didn't have an answer. And I felt bad for Joe Burrow in that second half, man. He did what he could, but, like, Zach Taylor kind of proved he was Zach Taylor. He was the, mm-hmm. His judgment to, like... Play P. Ryan over Mixon. Mixon was having a decent game. He was moving the chains. You know, there was the idea that they went into kind of a hurry up and they didn't have the chance to sub him out. But like Mixon just should have been out there from the start in that in that situation. I mean, he was he was someone that got you there in the first place, in my opinion, for that team. He he's kind of an underrated piece of that that offense that doesn't get as much credit. And so it was kind of like they left one of their best weapons on the sidelines for that final drive. I would agree. I'm always interested, particularly with this one, because I feel like so much was made of Joe Burrow, like being that guy who can all of a sudden turn it around. And he is somebody who can, who can put seven on the board in less than three plays. If that's the way that your offense is going to run, you better make sure you do it every drive or else you're going to be on your back for most of it. And ultimately that's ended up, that's that I feel like that third quarter was very telling for them where they were looking for the big play a lot. And he was just getting chased down and sacked or at least hit really hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, when you're relying on magic, it's kind of scary. I have a question. Guys. Last year, uh, the Bengals had, I believe the, the fifth pick in the draft there was a large conversation pre-draft about what they should do. Obviously, they ended up selecting a wide receiver from LSU, his former teammate, Jamar Chase. He had an incredible season, was amazing. But there was a large contingency of people who were saying that they shouldn't draft Chase and that they should draft either Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, or Rashawn Slater, who was a tackle from Northwestern. Uh, Rashawn Slater, by the way, made an all-pro team this year. Uh, at left tackle, really, really good. Penny Sewell uh, played right tackle most of the year, was actually very good in most, in most scenarios. Seems like he has a high ceiling. Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times this year. 
51 times in the regular season, 19 times in the playoffs, and that's third most in NFL history in a season. Now, granted, he did play a lot of playoff games, so the number is going to be a bit inflated, but it's still just a insanely high number. We saw him last year. He tore his ACL. Almost looked like he did it at this uh, almost during the game. Like, yeah, too, man. He that looked rough. scary. He thankfully escaped with uh, no uh, – he doesn't have to have surgery or anything, so it doesn't look to be a – long-term injury that he suffered in the game thank god if you were the Bengals, do you think the Bengals maybe are thinking a little bit like not necessarily buyer's remorse but are maybe thinking twice about loading up on receivers and not going to fulfill that offensive line my question to you guys would be do you think they get there without jamar chase in the first place i think that's the that's the one like i and if it was me, I would make the argument that Jamar Chase has won them more games. And they still got into the Super Bowl with a shit offensive line versus like having a great offensive line and not having like the talent on the outside to exploit defenses. Um, well, I, I think the the reason why I asked, because I, I, I totally agree. I don't think they're in the Super Bowl without Chase. He's he's clearly a d- dynamic talent. They do have T. Higgins, they do have Joe Mixon, they do have uh, Tyler Boyd, all really talented guys. My, my, I think my, my, the way I'm framing this question is, I, my biggest fear is that they're going to Andrew Luck, Joe Burrow, and that, okay, yeah, you made it to the Super Bowl in year two, and that's great, but he's only going to play five years because it's going to get to a point where he's just going to take such a brutal beating that he's not going to be able to continue. And I know it's the NFL stands for not for long. You got, you know, guys are, guys are constantly being knocked out of the game, even with a good offensive line, but should the philosophy be going forward at this point to be really like all hands on deck? offensive line? I mean, let's be clear. The Bengals were not supposed to be here. No one predicted them to be here. They had 125 to one odds, the same as the New York jets to make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Um, they they proved everyone wrong. And it's a great underdog story. It's awesome, you know, blatant, uh, blatantly obvious for this team that their biggest problem, it was not the defense. That defense held tough through that entire game, right? Yes, it, it let up one big drive, but it was just that one big drive, and it was bound to happen. You know, they were the Rams are good. Um, they were in the they were in the Super Bowl two years before that, and they went out and they made a lot of aggressive moves that a lot of people found to be questionable, but ultimately it was what they needed to be the Super Bowl team. I'd argue and, I'd argue that if they didn't make the Super Bowl win it, it was a huge, huge failure. You, oh, yeah. you get Von Miller for cheap, you got Jalen Ramsey. Um, through trade, and then you get Odell Beckham for essentially nothing. I mean, if you don't win, like, shame on you. I would also make the argument, too, that ultimately we are – they made it to the Super Bowl with that weak offensive line. They're going into the draft. They're going into free agency. They can rebuild all for. of those things. They don't need a quarterback. They don't need any offensive weapons. But, I mean – T. Higgins is good. Tyler Boyd is good. But I don't think any of them are like – they don't strike me as elite players just yet. And I think Jamar Chase in one year has shown that he's an elite talent. And take your chances with that individual um, and the talent that he has. And they did. And they made it to the Super Bowl. 
But can I just pivot real quick? How bad did Jalen Ramsey look in that entire Super Bowl? He was yeah. just constantly just tooled on. Yes. Agreed. Well, I would argue that there was a huge no call on that touchdown, though. I mean, T. Higgins literally ripped Jalen Ramsey's face mask almost off. It's one play, though, man. I, it was, but it was game. a big play. It was a touchdown, and it changed the, the score of the game. Again, I was rooting for the, for the Bengals, so I, I was happy about the touchdown. But at the same time, being a realist, like, that was, that was a bad no call. It's still – I, I think my level of scrutiny is because Jalen Ramsey demands to be like the premier cornerback in the league. Like that's your moment. And he did not look good in that whole game. I will just say about that, that no call uh, on that touchdown was that I think he really played that more than it really was. And he expected the flag and it never came. And he got burned for trying to play theatrics instead of the ball. He looked like he got hit by a bus. Yeah, it because you see, like, yeah, he grabs the face mask, but he kind of lets it go, and he already turned his head back, and like, it, I don't think it threw off his momentum that hard. You know, he knew the call was there. You know, that's part of being a smart player. Don't get me wrong. And and the funny thing is, I think the refs then tried to overcorrect later, which is later during that drive. You know, they gave Cooper Cup that call, the 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 pass interference call. Um, and that was that was a no call there. That was on the same play. I think it was the same play. There was also a, a holding penalty that was completely missed, where the right tackle from the Rams just held the defensive end and held them all the way to the ground. Like, yeah, there's missed calls everywhere. But I just, again, like I hear a lot of talk from Jalen Ramsey being the best player in the league, and it's like, yeah, but that was the stage where you're supposed to show it, and dude, you were not good. No, that game had weird momentum shifts at weird times. All the playoff games did, though. You could tell, like, in every game, like, there was something big that was going to happen. It was going to move the needle. The wind underneath, like, the Rams' sails early on, they were moving the ball, and then Odell gets injured. He has that funny step. He retours ACL again. Same knee. Yep. He was looking like he was in a lot of pain, too. And I think he knew it. He was on the s- sidelines. There was like tears in his eyes. He he had his hoodie up. You know, I f- I feel bad for the guy. I'm glad that he actually got a touchdown in in the Super Bowl, though. I'm hoping that exercises the demons of the infamous Giants boat pick because if for anybody that doesn't remember, uh, before the Giants 2016 playoff, the last playoff they ever sniffed, they infamously went to Miami and partied with Trey Songs on a boat. They all took a picture. And it, the Giants have essentially been cursed ever since that photo got taken uh, because everyone made the narrative that the Giants didn't really care. And um, so I'm hoping now that he is a Super Bowl champion and he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, uh, has exercised those demons so the Giants can actually get back on track this year. Um, we were talking about the Super Bowls before, guys. 31-9 to last year, Tampa won. You're right. It was a blowout. Oh, that's a blowout. Kansas City uh, the year before, 31 to 20. And then the year before that was the horrific New England Patriots Rams, 13 to 3. You remember that Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl where it was over by the first quarter? Broncos. You mean Broncos? um, Seahawks. uh, Panthers. No. No? The Seahawks game. It's the 10. 43 to 8. Yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, that was uh, 2014. That, yeah, that was horrendous. Um, so, yeah, and again, for me, as you know, then the next year uh, was the Patriots Seahawks, which was a great game. Yeah. Then we then we had Broncos Panthers, which was terrible. I mean, if anyone felt underwhelmed by this Super Bowl, it's only because the playoff games leading up to it were so goddamn good. I said that the Bills Chiefs game was the Super Bowl to me. All right, so I'm gonna go on a rant for a second. Um, we talked before about why did Aaron Donald not get the Super Bowl MVP, right? And they gave it to Cooper Cup and. Cooper Cup ultimately, I think it, I think it was a bit of a correction. I want to talk about the NFL MVP because for me, I think at this point they need to do something about the MVP award. Um, since the year two thousand, only three non quarterbacks have been winners. So in two thousand, well, we had Mark um, Marshall Falk. In two thousand five, uh, we had Sean Alexander, and in two thousand six was Ladanian Thompson. I graduated high school in 2006 since that moment we have not had a non-quarterback win the mvp award and for cooper cup to have the season that he had i mean just dominating every single game dominated the playoffs and then dominated in the super bowl and wins what i don't think there's anything physically possible that a position player can do at this point to win the mvp do we should we just change the way we dictate who the MVP is, or should there just be a separate award altogether just for best quarterback and then MVP as in best player? I mean, what is this? The fucking Academy Awards? The Hall of Fame, which matters for the players, right? It, yeah, I think it does matter in that sense. The, the thing that I mean is, like, it doesn't matter when it's always going to quarterbacks. I don't think what Aaron Rodgers did this year was more impressive than what Cooper Cup did. I, I am like, shocked that he won it. But, like, but again... I, number one, yeah, I, I agree with you, Tom. I don't think he even should have been the MVP. I think it should have been Brady. And, you know, but but ultimately, I still think, I mean, Cooper Cup, 145 catches, 1947, so 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns. I mean, I've never seen a receiver have a season like that. So as far as I'm concerned, and even if you minus out his best, his best game of the year, he's still breaking records I can i make an argument for somebody else jonathan taylor and i say that because when was the last time we had somebody in the nfl run rush for over 1500 yards i i don't remember the last time that happened honestly the last person that i remember getting close to that or close to 2000 yards was adrian peterson but that was like 2011 well, jonathan taylor 1811 yards 18 touchdowns his longest <laughs> of the year was 83 yards i don't disagree with you like cooper cup is deserving of it and i i think the award is bullshit at this point because it's basically like Whoever has whoever's face is on TV the most is going to win that award in all likelihood that those are quarterbacks. But like, again, like if you look at the the contributions of other players, it's probably easier to play quarterback in today's NFL than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And the rules have been adjusted to ensure that quarterbacks have all the time in the world. They should be putting up numbers. They should go 30 touchdowns a year. Gato, you go now. The NFL has largely gone passing offense. And that's why it is very rare that you have got like, Jonathan Taylor had that one game. What do you five? He you know, on, he must he's on your fantasy yeah. team, right? Oh yeah. You should Great. know then. You should yeah. know. 
You got him the one week. He had he had he had uh, five rushing touchdowns or whatever. For, you know? for context, guys, eighteen hundred uh, and eleven yards, eighteen rushing touchdowns, three hundred and sixty receiving yards. That's over two thousand yards of total offense, and then two receiving touchdowns. So he hit twenty total touchdowns. So mm-hmm. yeah, monster season. And you know what, Tom? I think you have a point. If you take Jonathan Taylor off of Indianapolis, are they bottom feeders at this point? They're not. They're not losing to Jacksonville in the last game of the year to get into the playoffs. Well, they did, even with Jonathan Taylor on that team. So that's right. But if he's not there, then they're definitely not even sniffing the playoffs because Gatto, that one game where he had like five or six touchdowns, he won that game on his on his own, and Carson Wentz carried the toilet paper to the bathroom for him. Yeah, I am shocked that Aaron Rodgers won the MVP for one, all the controversy that he created for the NFL and how bad he made the NFL look. And then two, of all of the people, of all the quarterbacks who are in the conversation for MVP, he's the only one who missed a game. It wasn't like he was hurt on the field. We go back to he lied to everybody or he used words differently than everybody else does. But he intentionally did not participate in a way to make to put his team in the best position to win. Like, I don't understand why we're rewarding somebody like that. And aside from the fact, like, fuck that guy. He's got enough MVP awards. Like, I don't understand what one more is going to show, like, him. Like, let's give it to somebody else. Let's give it to somebody who's more deserving. And frankly, I I feel like we are in a transition point for the NFL where we should be highlighting these other stars. And... Cooper Cup is deserving. Jonathan Taylor is deserving. There are enough young players in the NFL that have shown more and they're willing to win those games and do what they need to from a social side, but also on the field as well. I want to also point out TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Monster year. He tied Michael Strahan's sack record and he missed a couple games. Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, he had 17 games to do it. No, he missed a couple games and still did it. I mean, why isn't he in the converse? I don't even think he got a single vote for MVP. Like, I mean, it just, I, I just think the overall, like, if we're just going to pick quarterbacks, then call it the best quarterback award. So he, How many? Play full, he missed two games, so he wouldn't even yeah. play a full 16-game season last year. Yeah, he right. did less games than Strahan. Right. <laughs> here's here's the, the next hot take about this then. Um, are we just fucking quarterback obsessed? Yes. Is that what has gone on? We're just for I think it's I think it's I think it's warranted to be quarterback obsessed, right? Because the Bengals go two and fourteen, then four and twelve, and then are in the Super Bowl because of Joe Burrow. They're not in the Super Bowl without Joe Burrow. So I think and and the quarterbacks and they, are the stars. Right. Yeah, but like so, we just had the conversation of without that Jamar Chase, do they get there? And if they had a better offensive line, do they win it all? Right. And then a guy like Matt Stafford, who is largely more mediocre, like would be considered mediocre. I think he's still a pretty pretty hardworking dude out there. Um, you know, does he end up winning a Super Bowl without the rest of his team, you know, without Aaron I, I, Donald, without Cooper Cup. Well, I'd argue no, because obviously, like, the Bengals were nowhere near as close in talent than the Rams team as a total, and they still only won by three points. So, I mean, the fact that 
the Bengals kept it so close just goes to show how, you know, fluky football can be. You can have a bunch of Hall of Famers on your defense and on your offense and you still I, – I, but I want to go back to Stafford. I think Stafford got a bad rap in Detroit um, because of the fact that, like, they just were not winners. And I think a large part it was due to the personnel that they had. They Other than Calvin Johnson, I mean, like, really no no talent on that team at all. So – I, th- I think he. I think. I think getting him in an offense with Sean McVay obviously just kind of shows how talented he is that he was able to do it in one year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, as far as as far as I'm concerned, to watch Cooper Cup almost have two thousand receiving yards, to watch Jonathan Taylor get close to two hundred two thousand rushing yards, for T.J. Watt to tie a sack record that's over twenty years old, and to not even get a sniff. In. I mean, Cooper Cup got one MVP vote. It just seems ridiculous that we're just bright, we're like, all right, whoever's the best quarterback we're, is going to win the award. Let's my, just change it. My one question about that, um, I don't know if either of you could answer this, is did Rodgers have new records that he broke? Nope. Nothing. No. It wasn't no. even no. like no. – so- I'm on pro football reference right now. And from what it looks like, somebody just went to like season passing leader information in Madden and just went over to QBR rating and clicked sort. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers led the league in a 111.9 passer rating, but is not even in the top six in related to approximate value for his team. He's 10th in passing yards he is tied for fourth in passing touchdowns behind Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Um, his passer rating is the only one that leads the league. Honestly, th- looking at just this, Justin Herbert had a year that you could make an argument that he was also worthy of an MVP as well. That dude's good too. He, it was. He's basically like third or fourth on all of these lists. And by the so, way, Aaron Rodgers won last year as well. Right. So it's like, I mean, like, what, what, what are we trying, like, what are we trying to do here at this point? So I'm trying to make this guy feel better. One of one of the things yeah. that I I would actually say is that the day after the Super Bowl, I turn on ESPN and I'm not watching it a Super Bowl recap or a breakdown or analysis. The first thing, the first headline of football that I see is what's next for Aaron Rodgers? Where's Aaron Rodgers going? And it kind of makes sense that this is the NFL. This is how the NFL operates. They're already creating a story. They're making him the most valuable boy. And now being the most valuable boy, where is the most valuable boy going to go? I would make the art. I I saw something very similar to that, Gatto. And it wasn't necessarily about Aaron Rodgers, but it was about like the coaching situation in Dallas. Like, can you believe all these guys are back? It's like, who gives a shit? Like, this is a perpetually bad team. Why do we care about them? And I'm glad that you brought that up because the hot take industrial complex does this all the fucking time where it doesn't matter what's actually happening. It's what they want you to talk about. And what? Who cares? And I appreciate what Ryan Clark said or uh, Dominique Foxworth. They're like, I'm not dedicating any more of my time to trying to figure out where this guy is going to go. Wherever he goes, he goes, and then I'll talk about it then. But I'm not doing this again for another year where we speculate what's going to happen with him and just, like, pump up his already fragile, Atlas-shrugged, stupid-ass ego. Um, (laughs) He's still feeling the burn because he didn't 
get the fucking Jeopardy job. He's just mad that he doesn't live in the John Galt cave where they're just like executing people because they don't. <laughs> well, he's seen some stuff. He got abducted by aliens. All right. There are people far more deserving than that guy who should have won the MVP. Cooper Cup being one of them. Jonathan Taylor, TJ Watt being some of them. I want to point out that the last time a defensive player won the MVP award was Lawrence Taylor in 1986. So that's 36 years ago? Two years before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw, again, the, the I mean, if it's, at this point of defense doesn't really matter as far as the voting is concerned, I just, I just, I just, it's, it's just, it's a joke to me at this point. If guys I mean, like Ed Reed can't win an MVP, there's something flawed in our system. Well, I mean, so we do have offensive player of the year. We have defensive player of the year. Right. And uh, who, who did those go to? This year, well, yeah, Cooper Cup won the offensive player of the year. TJ Watt, um, I think, won the defensive player of the I year. I mean, these are the but, guys but, but that this should is, be this is most valuable about. player, right? So, again, if we're taking it by definition, right, it should be a person who excelled higher than anybody, but who is the most valuable to their team. I don't think it necessarily has to be a winning team, I think it has to be like if you remove this guy off of this team. They're not going anywhere. You take Jonathan Taylor off the Colts, right? You can you make an argument Darren... about Aaron Rodgers. You could. Sure. That team is could. probably hot garbage without him. And I think that's why like quarterbacks end up winning it. But I, I, at this point, it just just call it the the most valuable quarterback award then. I think justice for Cooper Cup is deserved because he had an incredible year. No, I would agree. And ultimately, the, the award is skewed towards quarterbacks because ultimately they're the ones that have the, that have the ball the most. And they're the ones that if a wide receiver catches a touchdown, the running back is not going to get any credit for it. Or um, if a cornerback catches a pick, a defensive end or a defensive tackle is not going to get credit for it. If, you know, Aaron Rodgers throws a screen pass to Devonte Adams and somehow he's able to break it off for like an 85 yard run, Aaron Rodgers gets the touchdown and he also gets the yardage for it too. So it's the only position on the field that is able to capitalize on somebody else's success. Therefore the, the, the award will always go to a quarterback because it's a passing league and the numbers will always support them. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that's what, I think that's the perspective that the NFL has, but um, it's, it, it is, it is annoying to witness like, cause I, cause everyone's like, Oh, it's just, you can't like, he wouldn't have been able to do it without Matthew Stafford. True. But like at the same time for what he did, I mean, it's, it's really, it's just incredible. Um, so for me, it's just, I, I just, I just find it a bit ridiculous that we're, you know, you're just going to literally hand it. And, and and again, if you, if you want to argue for quarterbacks being deserving of the award, I would argue that Tom Brady deserved the award over Aaron Rodgers. At 44 years old to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But really, uh, but I do agree that Aaron Donald definitely should have been the uh, Super Bowl MVP. All that to be said, Aaron Donald should have won the MVP. Do you yep. think he retires? No, I think he's. I think he's just angling for a new contract. Um, I, I, I he's got 98 career sacks, which obviously is a lot for a guy who just hit 30 years old. But I think he's gonna try and get close to uh, Bruce Smith. 
Uh, I think he probably, I think he, you know, he cares about where his legacy is. So no, this is most likely, I think he just probably feels underpaid in LA because of, you know, going after guys like Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham. So I think he just wants a new deal. The, the cool thing for, I think, you know, a defensive end is that your career, like the way your career ends, it doesn't have to be like a quarterbacks or somebody else's like, like that, you know, you can, yeah. you can kind of just fizzle out, record a couple extra sacks and, you know, at the end of the day, like that just adds to your already outstanding career. You could end up like Dwight Freeney and just jump in at third downs and just chase people. <laughs> Yeah, and I have no doubt that he would probably retire if he felt like he wasn't playing at the level that he's used to. But, I mean, you know, for him this year, he had 12 and a half sacks. So, I mean, it's not like he it's not like he only had five for the year or anything like that. He's still a dominant player. So uh, I just I, I just can't imagine it at this point. I mean, you know, 30 years old, maybe he's deciding to just he made enough and He's happy with his performance, but uh, I just I can't I can't picture it. I mean, the hot take industrial complex was you know itching at this question. Like that was the first thing they asked him. They didn't even ask it, ask him how it felt to win a fucking Super Bowl. They were like, "So you retired? So you retired? Which is, huh? which is huh? so stupid." Like, <laughs> journalism yeah, the, in the NFL is like brain dead. Yeah, let them let the man enjoy his moments. They cover the NFL. I, I think he comes back. I think Matthew Stafford comes back. I think OBJ tries to even come back. He said he'd take a pay cut to be on that team again. Um, I don't think I, they they're losing they're losing uh their Tom one Miller. yeah Andrew Andrew Whitworth. He'll yeah, Whitworth. He's over forty. Yeah, yeah. He, that guy now, has a and, career man. Oh, man, I, and and the Giants had a chance to sign him a couple years ago. Thanks, Jerry Reese. Um, but decided Eric Flowers was the best bet for them at that moment. So <laughs> thank you. I gotta uh, laugh at that. Blame man. On Dave Gettleman, though. Will you say that again? That's one you can't blame on Dave Gettleman, though. No, no, and I and I and for for Giants fans, if any Giants fans are listening, I need Giants fans to stop give like stop doing this whole Trump George Bush thing with uh, Jerry Reese and Dave Gettleman. Some people are like pining for the days of Jerry Reese because Dave Gettleman was so bad. They both sucked. Okay, they were both terrible. Stop cleansing the the resume of, of Jerry Reese because Dave Gettleman was terrible. Okay, stop it. We were sitting in a Hurricanes on like a Monday night. I think it was the three of us. We were watching the Giants, maybe at the time, Washington football team. Um, and you were losing your mind over Eric Flowers because he dude, was objection. Okay, there there are you were two losing your mind. Jerry Reese made a couple really good decisions. He drafted Odell Beckham, but I could argue he made a mistake in not drafting Aaron Donald over him. But that's neither here nor there. He picked a, he picked an All Pro player, so that's fine. Landon Collins, a couple other really really good picks. Found Victor Cruz off the scrap heap. He but had a couple productive seasons. No, that was uh, Ernie Corsi. Um, Hakeem Nix, a couple guys that would have been superstars if they had not gotten hurt. So I can't put that on. But consecutive years, I believe it was consecutive years, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric Flowers at pick number 10, and then Eli Apple at pick number 10. And Eli Apple is going to be in a different segment uh, that we, we're not doing right now for me. That poor fucking child. <laughs> <laughs> that poor man. 
<laughs> Jerry Jerry Reese was so infamous for basically saying out loud who he wanted in a draft. The year that Eli Apple got drafted in the top ten, they they wanted two players: Leonard Floyd, who just won a Super Bowl with the Rams. And Jack Conklin, who is the current tackle of the Cleveland Browns. They got jumped back-to-back by two different teams, traded in front of them, and selected Leonard Floyd and Jack Conklin. Panic moved and picked Eli Apple. It was one of the worst decisions in franchise history. Jerry Reese, he just defaults in panic mode to, like, the simplest word that he saw. It was like, Apple, flowers. There we go. I I assume that I assume that Jerry Reese had the understanding that the draft was like, oh, I get to tell you what player I want, and then you don't pick that guy because that's my guy. Dibs. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you can't. I'll take one Jack Conklin, please, and uh, Leonard Floyd if you don't have that. Like, you don't get to call fucking dibs, idiot. And like, he would only go, bro. He would only go to one or two uh, pro days a year, and it would always be the guy that he ends up drafting. Or wanting to draft. He went to Georgia that year for Leonard Floyd. He went to LSU the year he took uh, Odell Beckham. Miami when he took Eric Flowers. And it's like, can you be any more fucking obvious? There was more leaks than uh, the Titanic in that front office. And then he would draft guys that were like scrappy players in like the mid rounds. This is where you find guys like Antonio Brown was a fifth round pick. Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. You can find good players in the later rounds. There was one guy, I'm gonna, and I'll, I'll, I'll step off my pedestal after this, named Mikel Thompson. He was a safety from the University of Texas. He was sitting there with his agent uh, deciding on where to sign after the draft was over because like, he was not expecting to get drafted. He gets a call from Jerry Reese. We're taking you in the fifth round of the draft. And he was shocked. And he was asked, like, did you have any other workouts? Did you interview with other people? He's like, I only interviewed and worked out for one team, the Giants. So literally could have had him once the draft was over and spent a draft pick on the kid instead. It's a um, Ronaldo Balkman story, if any Knicks fans are out there, when he was <sighs> drafted what was it, in 2004. Oh, but God, Knicks, Ronaldo Balkman. Every, every GM was like... We didn't even think that guy was going to get drafted, and the Knicks drafted him in the first round. <laughs> it's a whole, it's a whole another bag, you know, a whole another issue with the Knicks. But uh, yeah, so so I had to get that off my chest because I've been seeing it a lot that people are doing this whole like miss me with Jerry Reese, like oh I miss the good old days with Jerry Reese. Guy was a terrible GM. Where is he now? Uh, he interviewed for the Lions job a couple years ago. Other than that, that I don't tracks. believe I don't believe he actually is working in a front office, which does track, by the way. Yeah, that should be telling. If you are a two-time Super Bowl champion GM and you can't get a job in the NFL that is historic for recycling GMs. I mean, listen, it's possible that he has pretty much decided to just not do that. Maybe he's consulting or something, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not a good look. It kind of goes with the MO for, you know, past staff for the Giants. I mean, Joe Judge is now fucking polishing helmets. <laughs> Offense, <laughs> offensive assistant. That is assistant. janitor job in New England Patriots. <laughs> offensive assistant, which basically means, like, he's getting the coffee orders in the beginning of the day. He's like, do you want it, do you want it with the extra foam? Okay, I'll come he's with the, the guy that <laughs> rearranges the lunch trays in the cafeteria. Restocks when, the straws. When, do you think like Bill like is like I said fucking decaf, you son of a bitch? <laughs> he just throws it at him. He's like, oh, 
But I mean, listen, I no, I, you know, a lot of people were like felt bad for Joe Judge. Don't feel bad for Joe Judge. That guy's gonna make fifteen million dollars over the next three years to not have to coach the Giants. So, yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't get like rolled up into the Alabama like empire and just end up like all the other refugee coaches out there that get a job on Nick Saban's coaching staff to just kind of like look busy and advisor. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about Bill? Yeah. Sound, that sounds like a Bill O'Brien subtweet, right there. It's Bill O'Brien. It's Butch Davis. It's Lane Kiffin. It's Steve Sarkeesian. It's mm. that's a whole like like trash island of ex coaches that they go down there for a year. They do a little image rehabilitation, and then they go and like fuck over some other team or program. Why was I'd Bill argue... O'Brien even in any conversation for a job in the NFL? Who is this? Bill O'Brien. <sighs> There, there are. You can argue that he did a great job in turning Deshaun Watson from a good, great college quarterback into a great uh, NFL quarterback. He also and, did a great job of destroying that team too. Oh, I, 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 yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I think, I think from a, like a, a perspective, if you're putting him as like an offensive coordinator and he has no say over personnel, um, that's that's a good spot for him, and I think he'd be underrated. But yeah, no, clearly he should not be making trades or deciding you know, who they draft because he did not do a good job at that. Uh-uh. All that to be said. Yeah. The Giants still suck. Listen, listen, Brian Dable. Okay. That's all I need to say. When your highlight of the off season is him getting out of a fucking truck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, listen, I, I, I'm actually you look like a bail bondsman going to, going to get <laughs> Dable, the bounty hunter. I was waiting for like the Judge <laughs> music to go to come on. By God, that's Brian, Brian is Dable's music. Suing this team for not having enough ketchup packets in the cafeteria. <laughs> Listen, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, about the Giants' future. I'd buy low on the Giants right now. Brian Dable, obviously, very capable offensive mind, uh, did a great job in Buffalo. Bringing Mike Kafka over uh, from Kansas City, you're getting Kansas City influence. You're getting Andy Reid influence on offense. I'm not saying it's going to work, but if you're going to pick from smart people, those are the people to pick from. And then getting Wink Martindale as the defensive coordinator. If you take out last year, he's four seasons as the Baltimore defensive coordinator. If you t- if you take away last year, they were COVID stricken and a lot of injuries. A lot of that not his fault. No, of course not. If you if you take those three years. Uh, so that would be what 2018 to 2020. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens were number one in points allowed, so they allowed the least amount of points, and constantly always were in the top five of sacks. So I think I expect this Giants defense to blitz a lot um, with a offense that will that can make some explosive plays. It's I said it. It's either going to be the biggest shit show you've ever seen, and it will be entertaining from that perspective, or they are destined for greatness. I have a question now, and for sure. both of you who are Giants fans, do you think that Jason Garrett is just sitting in the corner of the Giants, like the MetLife parking lot, in like a 1986 Pontiac station wagon, just waiting for someone to talk to him? I I look at him as like Milton and Office Space, in that like we fixed the glitch, and he's just still showing up, and he's like, I, I didn't get my paycheck this week. And they're like, yeah, yeah, um, you got to talk to HR about that. And like, I called them. <laughs> He's like, uh, I believe you have my playbook. Uh, my playbook. 
And uh, yeah, no, I, I predict he's still showing up and they just don't have the heart to tell him to get out. Somebody has just not deactivated his key card and they don't know what to do with that. No, they fixed the glitch. He just keeps finding ways to get in the building. He like finds like a loose window that's open, a door that's not locked, and he just like, fuck, he got in again. And he's just New York Giants on a vest, and it's like you can't have that. <laughs> it's not yours. Like I'm John Mara's special boy. I can come in here anytime I want. Yeah, and and I this is like I, I hate the internal pessimist. I, I a lot of people I've talked to are like, oh, I was excited about Joe Judge, and I'm like, you were excited about Joe Judge, Jason Garrett. Like this is this is night and day comparably from where they were in two, 2020. So, see, the Giants did what the Dolphins should have done was you deliberately hire people to tank instead of. <laughs> potentially offering them money to tank. I think you can argue that by hiring Joe Judge, they did exactly that. I mean, they did did what the Dolphins should have done, and the Dolphins actually hired a competent coach who wanted to win. They should have found a fucking loser. (laughs) That just shows where their incompetence actually exists. I'm I'm going to run a QB sneak on third down. Okay, Joe, you have fun. You go go do that. Third and long near the goal line, let's do this. They're like, update the draft board. We're going to have the number one pick, guys. Update it's the draft all board. part of the plan. No. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> I can just imagine, like, one of the assistants goes up to John Mara, like, did you tell him that we'll pay him money to lose games? And John Mara's like, we don't got to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. So uh, I think we're good. <laughs> is that is that unincentivizing? I think that's just being smart. And he, he saw the writing on the wall. So he's like, I don't need to pay this fucking guy extra. He's like, why would I do that when he just does it for free? Yeah. <laughs> this guy why came into the interview and he talked about fudge popsicles for 30 minutes. <laughs> I was going to ask him about like, what's his offensive strategy, but he kept going on and on and on about this idea that he had called judges fudge. And <laughs> Like, I gave him a job because we're definitely going to get the first pick of the 2022 draft. But, God, fuck, man. He, he, I asked him, team for he asked me how to spell stationary. He thought it was a funny word. <laughs> I asked him for specifics, and he kept giving me buzzwords like determination and hard work. And I was just like, all right, buddy, whatever you say, and just let's let him go. He, he kept looking at this account called Sigma Mail Grind and like kept like looking at it every time he had to answer something. It was very weird, but I mean, yeah, it seemed like he knew what he was doing. He was fascinated by the automatic soap dispenser in the men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he, kept, he kept looking at it and he was like, they don't make them like they used to. I like old-fashioned hand pump uh, so <laughs> Joe Judge strikes me as that guy who looks at technology even of the slightest bit and he just like shakes his head and goes I miss old American manufacturing yeah he's like where we were such a better country when we had switchboard operators when I used to have to actually crank my window down in my car that's America right there he's always asking like where the stamps are because he refuses to send emails yeah. he refuses to buy the forever stamps though that he thinks they're communism. Yes, he's not wrong. I only buy American money. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I will say the, the like it seems like John Mayer has finally uh, released his skeleton hand grip off of this team and is finally hiring people to do the job and and seem like free of influence. I feel as though like we were talking about the the Flores situation a while back. I think if John Mayer had his way, he would have hired Flores. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I because I because I mean new reports have come out that he literally called Flores half an hour after he fired Joe Judge, which is such a I can't tell if that's like a baller move or like a complete dick move. Uh, but basically, like one that like apparently like from uh, a lot of people like at the New York Post, a lot of New York Post articles, they were saying that like John Mayer was pushing pretty hard for Flores, and I think Joe Shane was just kind of cued in on Dable. So. Yeah, it's his guy. Which makes sense. But I, yeah, I only am apprehensive of that statement that you made that John Mayer is finally releasing his death grip from the team. And that this is commonly what happens when teams suck, owners distance themselves. And then when they get really good, they start to insert themselves again, i.e., Jim Dolan, i.e. Dan Snyder, i.e. all these shit owners out there who think that they know what they're doing and then they the team gets any kind of success and they're like, well, I need to be out in front of this thing. And it's like, you really don't, dude. Like, you're rich. You're not a football player. I had told the story uh, on a previous episode. We can get that on Spotify, Apple, all the different podcasts. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get that. I told yeah, the story. Too, I bet. On Instagram, Second Mouse Podcast. Like us, uh, follow, follow us. Like, unsubscribe, resubscribe, download, re-download. Um, I, I told the story about how the NFL stepped in in 1979 and basically told uh, John Mara's father, Wellington Mara, that you have to hire George Young because you don't know what you're doing. And George Young, a uh, recent Hall of Fame inductee, brought them two Super Bowls and was the GM there until I believe 1994. Uh, so he was there for double digit years and widely considered one of the greatest general managers of all time. And I think he got high off his own supply that like a guy who was literally forced on his father was somehow a genius stroke of the New York Giants organization and the Mara family. And uh, I think all those years of winning kind of made him feel invincible. And now here he is and, we're in the same situation again. I'm hoping history is uh, going to re- repeat itself at this point. All right. But now that we've gone down that rabbit hole, we really need to get back to some of the more important things to discuss. Nothing uh, is more Super important Bowl. than New York Giants. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> um, no, the, the real thing we have to, we have to talk about, Super Bowl commercials. Oh, God. Favorites? Worst? <clears throat> Give me them. If me you them. wanted to buy a bunch of fake money, this was the Super Bowl to do it in. That Coinbase uh, commercial, apparently they were not prepared for it. That promotion that they were giving, it was like $15 in Bitcoin, a chance to win a raffle for, I don't know, a million dollars, $3 million. It crashed the website. You know, it's funny. You don't see a lot of like commercials about money, but you see a lot of commercials about crypto. Yeah, it's totally not a pyramid scheme that's needed for people to uh, complete, you know, keep buying it over and over again. I, I just, I, the amount of, if I saw one more crypto commercial, I was going to lose my mind. One crypto commercial did stand out for me, and that was the Larry David one. That was funny. Why is Larry David doing that, though? Ugh. I think he's actually making fun of Bitcoin 
or or cryptos in general by doing that commercial. And I don't think that the people that hired him to do the commercial to promote it even realized that he was actually making fun of it. Yeah. I mean, the more I learn about blockchain technology, the more that it generally alarms me that you are just like one extension cord being tripped over from losing all of your money. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's a difference between like the money that I have in my bank account versus blockchain where that shit will just disappear on a regular basis and it will come back up. Like the money that's in my bank is insured by the federal government. And I'm not at that point where I'm about to hit that limit of what's insured and what's not. So I don't got to worry about that. But I do need to worry about like some startup boss and his wife, who is a moonlighting as a YouTube rapper, stealing Razzlecon. dollars. In- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sad we didn't get to talk about them last week. They were so uh, great. But we still think can. that made anybody nervous at the NFL when that report came out that it was the largest the largest seizure of assets in history and the NFL put a shit ton of time and investment into getting cryptocurrency companies to fund their Super Bowl ads. Well, did did the NFL seek out uh, seek out or is this just like a bidding thing that happened on NBC? It might right? just be the network. It's the network. I think that, you know, they have slots and they raff, not raffle, but they uh, they bid for the time slots and whoever's got the money is going to get those slots. I didn't think well, the commercials were that good this year. I thought they were kind of stupid. And the Budweiser were, one was dumb. There were a couple I liked. I thought the Pringles one was the best to me. Yeah, that was a good one. Remind the me hand getting. Uh, the hand getting stuck in the Pringles and goes through his entire life. And then at the funeral for the guy, the other guy gets his stuck hand in the Pringles. I just thought it was funny. And there was no celebrities in it, which I thought was, like, pretty good. Uh, I liked the uh, the Sopranos one. I thought that was kind of okay. I got excited. I was like, tell me that there's a new project yeah. for Jamie Lynn. <laughs> yeah, it, that was kind of cool to see that they got both the kids back. Um, I did not care for the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, especially because I thought he, that was actually going to be a movie where he plays Zeus, and I'm now sad that that's not going to happen. Did that Domino's commercial ever air about them giving money back to small businesses? I don't, I don't recall, but I was at a Super Bowl party, so. And I had so it sounds like money. Tom. That sounds like fake news. That's a that's a Bain Capital company. Well, there's fake a difference news. between like it's alternative facts, Scotto. Um. Thank you. Okay. There was a big commotion on the internet um, that Domino's was going to air an ad that's basically self-congratulatory about them giving a hundred thousand dollars back to small business owners. From what I read online, that ad spot cost fifty point four million dollars. Cool. You gave a hundred grand back to like a mom and pop pizza shop. But if you're going to spend $50.4 million in this, I feel like you could have like punched it up a little bit higher than that. Yeah, probably not smart. And it's a continuous self-own of businesses that uh, don't seem to be able to read the room that like no one cares about your, <laughs> you're making ref- record profits year in year and you give like peanuts away. Like Jeff Bezos gave away $2 million. Cool. That's like, Point zero 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 one of his net worth. So right, what he makes in the morning. Right, he makes yeah. that before breakfast. Um, I thought the uh, the mind reader episode, the Amazon uh, Alexa mind reader thing was kind yeah, of kind of kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. 
Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, the Lindsay Lohan Planet Fitness one. That, that was, was funny. I'm glad that. that I'm glad that that was like. I don't know whether she like is getting paid a lot of money for that, but it seemed to make she was poking fun at herself, which was yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, yeah. Uh, other like I I I'll never understand when these commercials don't go for broke. Like I think Salesforce had one that was just kind of like. Very oh, much just yeah, that was it was, was a just, very dumb commercial because yeah. no one yeah. And again, I don't rem- again I don't remember the context of these commercials, but like I feel like you should go for broke if you're gonna spend that type of money. Like either have like a really good message or go add celebrities and all those type of things to make it like pop because otherwise you're not gonna get my attention during commercials of the Super Bowl. Otherwise, I mean, it is just kind of funny the commercials that we did have. Um, there, the thing about advertising at the Super Bowl is you do see a return on investment, but I don't know how effective that will be for cryptos. Because mm. a lot of people they have their they have an opinion of of it. It's not like a Pepsi or a bag of Doritos. You know what I mean? Were there any commercials that you guys saw that you like cringed and you were annoyed by? All I do. Ones. Generally, all commercials make me do that in some <laughs> form, even the good ones, but. The uh, the meta one made me yes angry, v- viscerally angry. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that one. That one pissed me off. It's just it's just like the the dumbest concept. Like oh, it doesn't matter that you ripped from your job and all that. Like because you can just spend time in like the metaverse and everything's okay now. It's um, got weird um, surrogates vibe to it. Yeah, very like, very. Ignore much. your troubles and like bypass this actual physical world and go into this alternate reality that's been curated for you which is just as shitty as the current world that you live in a lot of people are going to look at that just not get that either that that's the point they're trying to make and it looks like you're in like dave gettleman's nintendo wii the entire time it doesn't even look like like a current reality it just looks like nintendo wii and i'm pretty sure the metaverse is going to be a lot more porny yeah. I mean, that's I usually where it goes. I read something a couple of weeks ago that the virtual real estate in the metaverse is running out and prices for virtual real estate were going up. And I was like, this is when I rip my computer out of the wall and throw it through the window. Dude, I've been trying to get you to go in on this. We need to get ourselves a timeshare in the metaverse. Dude. That's a sell timeshares. We, we need to corner meta timeshares. Mm-hmm. We have to make people sit through like metaverse uh, ad salesmen. We're trying to sell them timeshares. But what will we get them to come to a meeting? Because we can't give them a lobster dinner. We'll give them a hat. We'll give them like fractions of a Bitcoin if they sit through the entire. Mm. Are we required to follow the maximum 90-minute presentation law that timeshares have? Because after that, it's considered kidnapping. But it's <laughs> we don't need to follow that. So we can literally hold people for hours on end where it's like, if you leave, you'll miss out this tremendous opportunity, this life-changing opportunity. I mean, I would I would expect that like the presentation would just be a video on loop, and it would just play constantly, and people would just decide when to get up and leave. It would just be and when they the- when they go to get to up to leave, they would have to click 
a window to exit. Would you like to purchase your timeshare now? <laughs> it's like <laughs> you can't say no. Like to know more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's dig into this a little bit because now you got my mind going. What would our metaverse? What would the second mouse metaverse timeshare? I don't know. Uh, you mean location wise? Location. Like what are we going to put it next to? Yeah. Let's let's just spitball this for a second. Um, well, I, it would probably be on the lower end because apparently we're running out of real estate in a virtual world where. You just need to slap in another memory card and you get like a whole new map. I think we should be near a city dump. I like that. Maybe like a floating Fresh garbage island. island. Yeah, exactly. That's where we need to go. That's our tenant too. So I'm wondering though, because if we get in the ground early on maybe like a metaverse fault line, we'll get coastal land. <laughs> a coastal coastal floodplain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I heard I heard the meta beaches are really nice. I mean, we should just set up the next Atlantic City. That's that's what, what our goal should be. Establish a meta railroad. You gotta watch out for the meta mob, though, Gato, because they they run the metaverse. The meta Sopranos. That's <laughs> not meta Sopranos. That's meta. <laughs> meta Sopranos. Well, will everything just be the same with the the word meta in front of it in the metaverse? Yeah, I'm gonna eat like there'll be meta flowers. There will be meta Coca Cola. You gotta have uh, you gotta have the the meta Gabagool. That's the Sopranos. <laughs> you know, when we open our very own meta grocery store that has a meta boar's head. Meta I see. I I knew I knew this is where we were going. And yes, please, meta meats. My God. Yeah. How how meta sliced can how meta thin can I get my meta meats? Better slice that fucking extra thin. Extra meta thin. You better get that meta thin. I, I need an eight bit. Can I get an eight bit, please? <laughs> I yeah. do think we. I do think there is a lot of traction if we say that you can. Um, if we create our own like farming game, but it's like you know, out west in the metaverse, meta gold was discovered, which is like the root cause of cryptocurrency. And we'll get all the bros out there, like, virtually mining gold for us. <laughs> so it, it basically becomes a giant, like, VR version of Yukon Trail or yes. Oregon Trail. Yukon or both, Trail. yes. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like, gold was in the Yukon. So we can Someone... have, like, our own, like, mining, like, meta-mining towns where people are just... I honestly, like, when I first heard of metaverse, like, buying real estate in the metaverse, it's the it's one of the few times in my life where I felt like I'm actually, maybe, like, I had, like, a pulmonary embolism or something, and, like, I'm, I've lost my mind because none of this makes sense to me. Like, we were just talking about yats the other God. day. Uh, and and so I, no, I, I learned that beyond, I, I did not consent to learning about that. You forced that on me. <laughs> so, goodbye written language hello the language of emojis it's um, the dumbest thing why? i've ever seen so tom i'm assuming you know nothing of yats and i've made it this far in my life tom tom run now because all right you can get it on the ground so much you can get it on the ground floor with no yats. all right no two but me and meta howard hughes have already started meta um, <laughs> collecting your toenails yeah, anyway. he hasn't come <laughs> out of his meta he hasn't come out of his meta mansion in years He's a he's a real recluse. That one. <laughs> Basically, you assign yourself three emojis. You own those three emojis, and they're your signifier. So I could type in eggplant, 
open mouth flame emoji and I'll get to your Instagram. Yes, it's like a you gotta pay handle for everything and it's just emojis. And, and it could be more than three. It could be more than Stoop. three. Stupid. It's it's ridiculous, but of Dumb. course the first thing I had to check is if someone had the purple eggplant. Uh, you know that's the first thing that somebody bought. Yeah, and you can yeah. buy them, but I think they want like a million dollars for that. People are going to run past like the, the hand that's waving like this and go right for like the, the needle with syringe blood coming out of it. <laughs> well, hold, hold on. We can actually see the price tags on this. We can go to the website and make our own right now. So would you say that this is. is an NFT? Um, this is not an NFT. This is scheme. Think of it like a universal Slack handle or like your Instagram handle. This is to replace Second Mouse Podcast, per se, which you could easily go to <laughs> you can never replace and like and follow. No, but like what I'm saying is instead of searching Second Mouse Podcast, because it's it's a little long, sure, um, you could just type in two mice emojis, you found us, on or all of our social me. accounts, which you should like and follow if you're listening. For the record... <laughs> You should follow us on Instagram at Second Mouse Podcast. Yeah, I mean, we could make a string of these. Some of them are already taken, you know, like, uh, but what, what do you want? We could see the price of mice. any string. Two mice. Two, Two mice. mice. Two mice. Two mice. First mouse. Dead. Okay. Contact us for this. Uh, it's too rich for our blood. How much is it? Uh... They're they're not even giving you the price. They're saying you can bid. Guess who's guess who's very high on yet, Scotto? Kanye? The the king himself, Mr. Gary V. Of course he is. A lot of celebrities are getting big into this and NFTs, man. The king. Whatever. <laughs> See, I'd this rather is the invest in my meta copper mine that I've created. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, it's funny though, because we're talking about all this, we're joking all about this, but I think Apple has a different vision of the future, um, and it doesn't involve anything from Meta because Good. I think, Tom, you had mentioned this earlier the other day. You had an article that you had seen, and it was about something that Apple was doing, and it was really fucking with uh, Meta or Facebook's bottom line. Yeah, so um, there was an article in the New York Times and it's been picked up by a number of other places as well where so Apple changed its um, privacy policies a couple of years ago or a couple of months ago where users of Apple products can now opt in if they want their data to be shared with companies. And apparently this deeply impacts Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, a.k.a. Mark's world, where Facebook is losing a ton of money because they truly thrived off of data harvesting of their users and then distributing that information to advertisers. And the article in the New York Times showcases the stock price for all of the major social media platforms, Twitter, Meta, Pinterest, and Snapchat. And their stock prices have dropped pretty dramatically since July 1st. And the people um, cheered. To the point where Facebook, aka Meta, aka Mark's World, has said <laughs> that they're probably going to lose, I want, was it like $10 billion in advertising sales? I love it. Yeah. And 
they're really freaking out about it because this is where their butters their bread at this point. And a lot of their advertisers are moving away. They're not investing in like digital advertising or digital marketing anymore. And it's just fascinating that this huge company like Meta, aka Facebook, aka Mark's World, is now crippled because another company said like we're actually not going to let companies just like pillage your information anymore. This this is a market correction as far as I'm concerned. Um, for for too long, they have been harvesting our data without our knowledge, and they have been pretty much profiting and advertising off of us without our consent. The Apple, all Apple is doing is pretty much putting in a consent form. I use the uh, the, the the VPN that they provide on Safari. It's it works, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to keep using it if it means that people won't be able to digitally advertise to me. As far as I'm concerned, if they were making millions of dollars off of the idea that they could they could do this, then they should have really really made sure first that they they actually had the consent to do this. As far as I'm concerned, they deserve to lose all this money. Yeah, just for context, Meta's stock price more has dropped more than twenty six percent. Um, beautiful. I think Zuckerberg lost like 83 bill on it. Yeah. Hope he loses more. It was it was big. Well, the funny thing was when it happened, um, everyone just took their money and they plugged it right into Amazon. So it's kind of like the market saying, Yeah, we're not really into this whole like virtual stuff, we like real stuff still. Like that was kind of a, a, a signaler there, which was interesting. I do want to say that in the one narrative that's laid out there, yes, you know, there's a feature, but I would like to remind you that you pay heavily for that feature with Apple. That iPhone cost you a lot of money, and that feature is part of the iPhone, right? That tracking. And the thing about it that people will argue for is that, yes, here, here's this company that they profit off of that user data, um, but that user data is what keeps the resources on the internet free and available. And if we, if we make this hard for the, the platforms to continue to do what they do, they're going to start charging you. And that subscription model gets mighty expensive fast. Like Netflix just <laughs> bumped up their their subscription model to, to 20 bucks a month starting the 14th of March. And you'll just, you'll see that your, your internet use will become more pay to play. If we can question on that, on that way, when that rate quite question for you, Gato, when you say that it's going to negatively affect like our experiences online, are you speaking more of social media or are you speaking all encompassing? Like it, it, is Google, are you, are you saying Google is going to start charging you, us for a search? When you look, when you're putting on that tracking, uh, the do not track, right. um, it's, it's essentially, it's not letting anybody pick up that user data. Right. Right. So this is not just something one off on meta. They just happen to be stupid enough to admit that this is a, a large way of how they earn their money. And they kind of just open the bag and let everybody kind of know this, but it's going to hurt everybody. Like Google's going to hurt from this. You know, it's, it's something that will affect not just the social medias. It's going to affect all, all sites, all free things, whatever it is on the internet. And a lot of things we're already paying for, you know, um, how much does it suck now when you go to read an article and there's a paywall? Um, well, well, that's I mean, why you but, go to a lot of people go to social media in the first place, right? To get their news. 
I'm going to tell you though, but that's not, that's not necessarily a good thing though. I mean, in all honesty, I don't think, I don't think that's actually been uh, a good thing for society and for people to learn news off Facebook that can clearly be just, you know, some guy in the basement. When that all goes away because there's no, no one can do ads online anymore because they don't know who's going to buy. They can't derive profit from it anymore it's not worth their time you know what then where are you gonna, gonna get your news to... where are you gonna get your news well that's what i'm saying well you can you can get cable news i mean you can get you look, like look how many people have a problem with that well but at the same time the one thing has been around for a century and the other one has been a product of mark zuckerberg having loose ethics on on what he's allowing to be you know his algorithms to be streamed to people so as far as it go i'll stick with the cable news if that's what that means i mean there's a lot of legitimate sources of information though even on social media i will say though if i can mention this i think it's important to recognize that bad information or falsified information is not a new occurrence for today's age it's it goes back ever since the spoken word, right? Like there is yellow journalism, there is National Enquirer has been around for a long time. It doesn't matter what like mode or vehicle it comes in. Um, people are always going to find bad information and exploit it. And I don't I, think losing this corner of the internet is going to like shut people out of good information. I don't think it's going to shut them out of bad information either. I'm not I'm not saying that it will, Tom, but I what I'm saying is that it will provide less of an outreach. Like the National Choir isn't hitting millions of people within seconds. Uh the ability for Facebook to weaponize anti-vax information, anti, you know, whatever, you know, pro-Trump stuff is sick. And the fact that the algorithm literally eventually became almost pushing that information to the top of the market is it will not happen. Like, you you know, like Fox News and all those things have been around forever and they reach millions of people. But like the way that social media has weaponized news has is unprecedented in in comparison to everything else. Well, I mean, you're talking about virality. Right. Like how fast information can move on the Internet versus other mediums right right but isn't that the isn't that the point though isn't that the internet makes everything faster and it can make bad things faster too what i'm saying is maybe you won't be able to get the information so fast because you'll have to pay for the information and then you're going to bias towards what you're paying for so you're not going to hear from all the sources or multiple sources there's going to have to be a compromise then, and they're going to have to they're going to have to pay people for their information. That's what it's going to end up being. You really think because, they're going to pay people for? Well, no, no, I don't. I don't that's, think. But that's I don't the thing. Think so, they don't have I don't, to pay people. Don't they they don't have to pay people, but they might just start charging you a membership fee to be on social media, and then they might it's just beautiful. fuck with everything else. You you say that until they they make a squeeze on you in another way financially to make you get onto these networks right they figure out a way to get you there make you pay think about television streaming you know cable is eventually going away probably going to die out within the next i don't know 30 years i'm going to say like this generation that doesn't really know how to use like the older generation doesn't know how to use apps what is a way in that they're going to induce me to get a facebook account they figure out these ways. They're a business, right? They have to figure out how to make their money. I and think what will ultimately happen is they'll just pivot the way that they market in the same way that like 
television or radio markets where, you know, when you get onboarded to a new Facebook or social media account, they're going to ask you a series of questions like, you know, your gender that you identify as, your races that you, the, your race that you present as, or that you identify as, your age bracket, your hobbies, the location in the country. And they will just do it that way. And you'll just get spammed with demographic related um, ads instead, because ultimately you're still going to be able to hit home on that kind of stuff versus I don't think the pay for play model is going to work for them because ultimately I think that it's such a fluid experience. People are eventually going to say like, if I have to pay for this thing that countless studies have told me that it's not good for me, I'm probably going to walk away from it. And they don't, all these apps are about membership retention or user retention. They don't want to lose people. So they're going to, they're going to eliminate the friction points. They're not going to add new, new ones. Yeah. And, and, and Gato, you might be right, by the way. It might, they might, that might be, that might be what happens. You know, they might find ways to kind of induce people. But my point is, it sounds like a lot of propaganda to me on their part because it sounds like oh if you don't let me harvest your data everything's gonna crumble in front of you and you're gonna see these like ridiculous changes to where mo and most times like they the things that they threaten are going to happen rarely ever do uh, how many times on your cable news do you get like warning spectrum is removing like sny right, right. they use these tactics all the time to like encourage people to fight against companies and other things like that i think they're trying to stop people from using the apple privacy option and they're promising that these like wholesale changes will come and i think i think it's just a matter of they're just trying to make people freak out well let me ask you though what is it that you really like about the feature and what it's doing for you and what, like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like scrolling through Instagram and seeing, I see you searched for whatever, you know, uh, shampoo on Amazon and it being kicked back in my face because at the same time, maybe that's just, shampoo? you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I get it. I'm a bald guy wearing a fucking shampoo right now, right? Um... <laughs> I don't, I don't like this wholesale, like, and again, and again, it's a matter of, it's a matter of like, if you're willing to harvest, like, again, it's just, it's just the idea that like, I ultimately our information is valuable, right? I don't really care too much about that. It's kind of creepy in the sense that it, like, it kind of pushes it back in your face. But my biggest thing is our information as a whole is very valuable and they are harvesting it for free. And at the same time, I'm not going to just provide you free advertising that you're making millions upon millions of dollars off of. Not to mention that they said most people's Facebook, like, I think there, I think there was some kind of method that you could figure out how valuable your social media account was uh, based upon, I don't know how many, how many friends you had or whatever. But like the fact that these companies are making hand over fist amount of money um off of our data and not providing us any benefit for it, it I, I just find it to be ridiculous so as far as it goes your free ride is over yeah i don't like the uh the intrusive advertising component to it where it's different like in the way that television commercials or um like billboards are something that you can walk by and you can actively avoid those but I think for social media purposes, like I don't like having that information like curated to me. 
particularly things that I could buy because I think that also creates a level of impulse purchasing for people that's quite frankly, it's pretty toxic because they'll create a sense of urgency that you have to have this. Um, and people's self-confidence and psyches are so fragile anyway, as it relates to social media that it won't be very hard to push people to the mentality that they're missing out if they don't buy these like Bomba's socks for $25 a piece. You know, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here too with a little of this because I don't. We could be totally. I don't wrong. necessarily. percent right. Though, I don't necessarily so. disagree yeah. with it. I worry. I worry just about how they 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 go. Okay, this model isn't working for us, and so they find a different model that ends up costing us more up front. You know, yeah, we won't get the same ads, but they'll figure out a way to bring that back anyhow. Like they'll find new ways of extra extrapolating the the data points that they need in in some other way. Life um, finds the way, Gatto. Yeah, I mean, because there's there's another. I had I had heard this. Uh, I think it was on a podcast. Uh, in case you miss it, miss this, and it was actually about TikTok and how their algorithms basically they're becoming like. WebMD people that are you know based on users and what whatever their interests are or whatever what their behaviors are it's tuning them into these people that are like do you have these symptoms do you have that symptom does this symptom happen to you you probably have this and um, there's a lot of people that are obviously going to use that power with negative intention, I guess. Because you probably have is not a diagnosis by a professional. No, and it's very it could be like, oh, do you do you get tired when you run a mile? Do you get sweaty when you're in the sun? It's a slippery slope. And that's where I say, hey, you know, we do want the do not track on for sure. Because we don't want people coming in and causing these like false diagnoses, making people more anxious or paranoid because of it. I'm actually kind of surprised that more social media platforms have not provided like content warnings or things like that for information like that, that is being shared, particularly about like medical advice, um, because people can use that the wrong way. Like there is a reason why becoming a medical doctor or becoming a specialist is such a rigorous process in that you have people's lives at stake and you should not be just doling out like ifs and possibilities and you might have this. And if you look in like the reels section of Instagram, Instagram is the, the platform that I use the most probably. There are a lot of people that are making money off of that. When in reality, they're making a ton of general, like general statements. And you said it perfectly, God, like do you get tired after running a mile? like. Stuff that's kind of like low level, but it's almost like medical astrology. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Come on, we like like Jupiter in retrograde does not mean that I have like a brain aneurysm. Like I think, but a little bit more tuned than that. And then, and this is where it gets dark. Is and then they go, well, if that's the case, you should drink our fresh pressed juice. That's yeah, especially definitely if it's a going to like give you a food sponsored food. advertisement. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of sponsored advertisement, this podcast is brought to you by Boar's Head Deli Meats. Taste them. There are rejuvenating qualities of sliced cured meat. I want to point out that Boar's Head is not a real advertiser. Please don't sue us. Yes. You're already <laughs> suing each other, so. <laughs> fast. All right, gentlemen. It's that time. It's everybody's favorite segment. I think it is. Asshole of the week. Very exciting. Tom. 
Start us off with asshole of the week. Give us your so asshole. I'm going to continue the trend of <laughs> talking about social media, and I want to lump an entire population of Instagram influencers into the asshole or assholes, plural, of the week. It's the folks that continue to tell me to not listen to a song at 0.3x speed, and there's nothing to it. Like, I don't understand how this has become like a trending thing, or just all trends in general on any social media platform are just so dumb that... Is there a reason? What, what What's this going on here? I don't understand it. I, I feel like it's this modern days, like you have to play the White Album backwards and you hear Paul is dead. Or some other, like, if you play like a Kiss album backwards on a turntable, you'll hear like the devil talk to you. It's this generation's like thought of like being like tongue in cheek, but there's actually really nothing there. It's just a way to sucker people in to get likes and interact with their page. I, I was going to say, um, like, are they getting paid for the amount of time someone's listening to that song? And it's it goes by the time spent listening. I don't know. But it even just looking at our, like, insights and things like that, people who land on our reels are tracked. And any kind of tracking means you can monetize it. And I was flipping through it before we were um, getting on the show tonight and I noticed how many of them I got in a row and it's like from from the same people like two days later it's like don't listen to this song at this speed I'm just like you guys are fucking lame like get out of here. What was that movie made by uh, the guy who made like House of a Thousand Corpses that had that Rob like Zombie? The, Rob, yeah, Rob Zombie. He made like a, a movie, a horror movie. It was like The Witches of Salem, and it was about like some record or song that when they played, like did some something like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, the gates asshole, of hell are opening as we listen to this. So my assholes of the week are the Instagram and social media influencers who buy into every stupid trope or every dumb trend and try to get people to engage with their pages. Go outside. Just go outside. Leave your I would phone listen. inside for 10 minutes. Go the fuck outside. I'm going to go the other way with this. Listeners, if you can... I'd like you to listen to this podcast at 0.3 speed. No, don't listen to this podcast at 0.3 X speed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for me, it's going to be Eli Apple and his mom. And uh, I was touched upon this uh, earlier in the episode about Jerry Reese and the New York Giants. Eli Apple is a former cornerback for the New York Giants, former cornerback for the New York Saints. He's on the Bengals. One of the main reasons, by the way, I was rooting for the Bengals the entire time. One of the only reasons why I didn't want the Bengals to win was I did not want Eli Apple to win a Super Bowl. Um, Aside from the fact that he basically called out Giants fans and Saints fans earlier in the year and said they all suck. Um, he is a Twitter troll and basically going through um, social media, just basically responding to anybody that will go after him. His mom is also the same way. He pretty much said the, the beginning of the week that he wanted to cover Odell Beckham in the in the Super Bowl, and it had horrible results for him. Um, also gave up the game-winning touchdown to Cooper Cup. Uh, to me, was a one of the worst draft picks in Giants history. Um, and it is so funny to me to watch a guy who has way too much confidence in himself than he should, uh, get absolutely burnt on the world's biggest stage in front of millions of people. So for me, Eli Apple, he's asshole of the year, but he will, I will have to settle for asshole of the week. 
How long did he play for the Giants for? Was he there for his the entire length of his contract, or did they get traded? No, no, he uh, he got traded pretty early uh, in the process. Two years into his uh, deal, he got traded. Um, he was he was a malcontent from the beginning. I I knew it was cursed uh, from when they drafted him. He did not seem excited. Um, they found old tweets basically calling he was an Eagles fan, so like you know making fun of the Giants and all that. But you know what's the most amazing thing about this though, and I, I what makes this so unique is because yeah, fans hate players all the time, right? Nothing new there. The fact is that he had multiple players on Twitter calling him out. Uh, people from the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, uh, McCall Hardman, his own former teammate in uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, safety for the Saints, and Michael Thomas, uh, wide receiver, all-pro all receiver from the Saints, basically telling uh, telling him that he sucks. What's interesting to me is that I can't tell who hates Eli Apple more, fans or players. Uh, so it just goes to show that he is not only very unpopular – He's, uh, he's unpopular in, in most arenas. And, and I don't know if it's like a part that he's playing. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose um, to make himself, you know, to give more claim to himself. But, uh, yeah, helping. it's not helping. And, yeah, I, I, I get sometimes people play the villain role because, you know, whether it's fun for them or if they're so good, they can back it up. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he is awful. Yeah, to talk that talk. Better walk that walk, huh? Yeah, I mean, he, he he probably is one of those people that feeds off of like the negative vibes of other people. He likes that. It's not working. People hate. Yeah, it didn't help him. <laughs> well, no, at the end of the it, day, it's not work. At the end of the day, you're as good as you're you are, and someone might be better, and that's that's why you get burned. And unfortunately, if it happens in front of everybody at the biggest sporting event of the year, hey, it's. It's really funny uh, with Eli Apple. I remember, I remember in the pre-draft process, there was a big controversy with Eli Apple, um, and I, I, a lot of people defended him. Uh, an anonymous scout had like said that he's like a child, and like he can't even feed him. He doesn't even know how to cook, and everyone like very much kind of took offense by that. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, well, that's such a weird thing, and it is a weird thing to like. Um, it is a weird thing to kind of criticize someone about, but I, you start to see there is an immaturity. And I think that's kind of what they were alluding to. I mean, his mom, uh, there's a NFL analyst. Like she's, I, I think she does like videos online uh, named Annie Agar. And she does like these kind of funny compilation videos. She put a tweet out basically saying like, this is my first time covering uh, the NFL Super Bowl. And I can't say the same about Eli Apple. His mom uh, actually responded to her and basically said, yeah, I heard you catch a lot of balls. So clearly a lot of immaturity on both uh, Eli Apple and his mom. He he has his mom do a lot of his, uh, his fighting for him. So uh, just an overall just terrible, terrible person. Annie Agar, I follow her on Instagram. Her She's got some pretty funny stuff out there. And if there's one person to make, like, to talk shit to, I don't know if she's the one to do it to. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like a bad decision in the beginning. But, yeah, so for me, uh, I could, I, he could be my asshole the week every week, but uh, I'll settle for just this week. It's very timely time. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
so my uh, asshole of the week um, kind of goes with this theme that I've seen for the, like the last two weeks of our generation's like scammers. Um, they just keep popping up. I was actually I I originally was thinking about doing the couple that we we talked about earlier that that stole the four point five billion in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Because Heather Morgan is just the fucking worst. <laughs> um, her but, TikTok is fucking insane, dude. I I actually listened to her song, so she's she goes by the rap name Razzle Khan. I don't know what a Razzle fucking is, but uh, I actually went through like a bunch of her songs, and I might try to make this for later in the week. It's clips from her songs of her self incriminating herself for illegal activities. And just other ironic things that she says that karma has now bit her in the ass with. She's not even the asshole of the week that I was actually going to go with. I was going to go with this other dude, uh, Zachary Horwitz. I don't think he made much of a register because there's a lot of things going on right now, right? We got the the Russian-Ukrainian tensions. No one really cares, but still is making the news Olympics. We had the Super Bowl. This guy, he was a small-time actor, and he just pled guilty uh, in federal court to uh, a, a Ponzi scheme in which he had raised at least $650 million in investor money, um, selling people on licensing rights for films that HBO and Netflix were going to pick up. I heard about that. You heard about this guy, yeah. This and is wild. That's yeah. baller. And it's a really it's kind of crazy because I mean he 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 wouldn't have gotten caught until he offloaded the cash to buy a five point seven million dollar Vegas crib. Yeah, he was living a, a lavish, lavish lifestyle, you know, defrauding all these people, taking that fucking money. And um yeah, he's just a big fucking asshole. Um another one of those always... fakers, man. I always find it funny how like these go on for so long without people kind of catching on or if they do catch on, no one seems to do anything about it because like it was, it was happening over a couple of years, right? No one raises $650 million overnight, right? I think the thing for Ponzi schemes though, is that nobody ever wants to be wrong, right? Like nobody, I guess so, yeah. nobody wants to leave an investment for the potential of what it can bring. Like that's why Theranos was able to go on for so long because all those folks didn't want to be wrong. So they just kept investing and kept investing until the point where the FBI and the, the special jackets comes in and starts taking stuff out in boxes. And I mean, you've seen it with Bernie Madoff too. Like people are willing to trust somebody who at least has the, they carry themselves like they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and, you know, he had, this is also one of those things about all the people that commit these types of schemes, right? Is that he had just the trace of legitimacy behind him because he had been in movies like uh, Fury with Brad Pitt. So he had like actual credits in Hollywood. He probably knew people in Hollywood. He partied with people in Hollywood. He knew the industry. He knew how to speak that language that's part of the whole way in which they get you is that they making you feel at ease because they have some sort of legitimacy to themselves even if everything else that they're selling you is just a house of cards right 
By the way, Avery was uh, sentenced to 20 years in prison and ordered to pay $230 million in restitution. Yeah, he got his. It's crazy, though. I mean, he, he almost pulled off a billion-dollar scam here. He's still only going away for 20 years. It seems a little light. He thought he was Marty Bird. Yeah. Man, it's been a rough week for people who got money. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting that last week. It's it's funny though because this brings me into the pick I have for this week. And Ooh, shit, that okay. is a documentary on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler. <laughs> and it's basically like the same MO, except this guy, he was living lavish lifestyle, super fine clothes, going to the best restaurants, staying in the best hotels, never stayed in one place more than, you know, a couple days. Just going all across Europe, place to place to place, living this insane lifestyle. And come to find out, it was essentially a Ponzi scheme in which he was defrauding these women he would meet on Tinder. And he worked this very elaborate ruse. And it's produced and directed by the people that made Don't Fuck With Cats. Mm. And they're excellent. They, they find excellent stories and they're good storytellers. And it's cool because they shot it almost like they're talking to the, the victims of the scam. And it's almost like they're having a date with them. And a lot of a lot of it feels like it's happening in real time because they're showing you the conversations going back and forth. It centers around a guy named Simon Laviv. Yeah, that was definitely on my list uh, for sure. Uh, I'm going to watch that soon. I'm actually also going to do a documentary. Um, I've kind of gotten down the rabbit hole of 30s for 30s uh, from ESPN. Uh, my favorite one is a one called From Elway to Marino. It uh, basically highlights the 1983 draft, which obviously was huge for... Uh, quarterbacks and uh, it's told from the narrative of Marvin Demoff who was the agent for both John Elway and Dan Marino and kind of highlights the like turmoil between the Baltimore Colts and the Elway family in which John Elway pulled an unprecedented move that Eli Manning later did which basically I don't want to play for you find me another team and how it ultimately blew up in the face of the Baltimore Colts at that time, uh, but also goes into great detail about Dan Marino, his final season at Pitt, and uh, how he ended up becoming the sixth quarterback taken in that draft, despite being arguably either the second best or best. Really, really interesting. And you see how the, uh, you know, speaking of the NFL, this whole, pretty much whole episode's been about the NFL. You see how these franchises could have been changed forever. Perfect example is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, Dan Marino played for Pitt. He was from the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers almost drafted him, but decided not to. Ultimately, took a player named Gabriel Rivera. Dan Marino, uh, because they had Terry Bradshaw, and it was just the way that they built their team through the, the defensive line. Gabriel Rivera, that year, after a couple games, actually got into a car accident uh, while drinking and driving. It was paralyzed. Uh, so he was not able to play. And Terry Bradshaw actually ruptured something in his elbow in the first preseason game that year. Uh, so the Pittsburgh Steelers missed out on having a hometown hero in Dan Marino on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really, really fascinating stuff. So if you're into that type of stuff, uh, give it a watch. Yeah, I, I remember when that one came out and it was really interesting. Didn't Dan Marino have some like um, some questionable personal stuff? that was rumored to be going on. I think it was like drug use when he was at Pitt. They they actually 
questioned uh, Jim Covert, his, uh, who was actually his college roommate, and he actually was drafted in the top 10 that year, and they, they accused him of also being on drugs. The ex- explanation behind that was that Dan Marino went from, you know, Pitt, the Pitt Panthers at that point under Dan Marino were national title favorites almost every single year. Um, he threw for a ton of touchdowns during his college career. His final year at Pitt, he actually had more interceptions and touchdowns. He had a really, really bad season. And of course, when you are a perennial favorite and expected to be, you know, either the number one pick or the number two pick, and you turn into a guy who looks like he's going to be collecting garbage on the side of the road every day, uh, people will start to question and maybe over question uh, what, you know, what is causing that type of uh, decline. He acknowledges, Dan Marino acknowledges that I had a bad year. Um, and actually, it's funny, the Pittsburgh Steelers actually, Art Rooney II uh, is interviewed in there, and he actually admits that his father, Art Rooney uh, Sr., actually got uh, private detectives to look into Dan Marino um, to see if there was any unquestioned, and they didn't find anything. So mm. I think it was just basically trying to explain away why Dan Marino had such a bad year, his final season. But by the way, I think they went I think they only had like two or three losses that year despite how bad he played. Um he ended up being the sixth quarterback taken. The only other quarterback other than Elway that was worth his salt was Jim Kelly. And they actually do a kind of a cool thing about Jim Kelly who is a Buffalo Bills legend um and how he did not want to go to Buffalo originally. It was uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing. Yeah, cuz he went to the um USFL for a while, right? Yes, he played for the Houston Gamblers uh, for two years. One, it actually worked out in his favor. They tell a great story. Uh, Marv Levy, a former Buffalo coach, actually uh, talks about it. They actually had his agents in the room, and um, they actually got a call. And the secretary actually interrupted the meeting and said, "Oh, you know, to uh, Jim Kelly's agent, you have to take this call. It's a very important call." And it was the USFL basically telling him, "Leave right now. We will pay you more, and he could pick where he wants to play." Um, he didn't, you know, he played in Miami, Florida. He didn't want to play in cold weather, uh, so he went to go play in a dome stadium, which the Houston Gamblers had. Um, it actually worked out in his favor because he won the MVP award in the USFL um, mm-hmm. th- that year. And actually ended up getting a bigger contract when he ultimately, when they caved and ultimately he had to go to the NFL. So, but ultimately he, he talks about how, despite he, he said he cried on draft night when he got drafted by Buffalo because he didn't want to go there. Um, But he did, he did say that ultimately it was the best thing that ever happened to him. So it's kind of a, kind of a nice story. Yeah. Again, legend in Buffalo. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I so my pick of the week is actually a another Netflix original, but it's not a documentary, it's a miniseries, and that is um, Archive 81. I just finished it over the weekend, and I have to admit, it started pretty slow, and I had a hard time paying attention to it, but once it started to get into like the third episode, I really started to invest myself in it. This show is wild. Mm-hmm. This show was took a bunch of different turns that I was not anticipating. It's well written. It's well acted. You root for the characters. It's well cast. Um, I've been a little disappointed with a lot of Netflix original content um, in the past few years, simply because I feel like they've just scooped up stuff that hasn't that hasn't gone mainstream or people didn't want. 
but this one was definitely a winner for me. Go check it out. It's Archive 81. It's eight episodes. I don't know if it's a miniseries or an actual like series, but um, it's actually based off of a podcast of the same name, which is a couple seasons long. So um, now that football season is over, you have nothing to do until um, March Madness or whenever baseball gets off its ass and starts to play some games again. So why not? Archive 81 a shot. I, you know, I have to say, I, I've seen it and I'd have to agree with you, Tom. It, in the beginning, you're like, where the hell is this going? Mm-hmm. You're not really, the pieces aren't there. But by the time you get to that last episode and that end of that season, you're like, okay, when, when are they going to renew the series? Uh, when, when's it coming out? Because it's, they end on a very good high note. Yeah. That's, I don't want to spoil it for people out there because it's something you want to definitely watch. In, in continuity, but well, yeah, what would you uh, what would you classify the genre as? Sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. Sci-fi cool. horror mystery. Very, cool. Very much up my alley, so I will check that out. I will say they did the thing that I don't like and had that penultimate episode be shorter, and then the last episode is longer. It's like, why do you play games with my heart like that? <laughs> hey man. Why is this episode thirty-five minutes and the other one is an hour and ten? Like, why can't we just even these out? <laughs> I'm complaining about a show that is literally on demand, but these are the things that they get under my skin. Yeah, I've, I found that I've, I've I've not been very fond of a lot of Netflix shows when they've come out, so I'm actually kind of excited to watch this now. They had a really nice string for a long time of shows that really slapped, but recently there have been just some. I don't know whether it's pandemic related or there's just there's too much of a demand for content. So they've kind of slacked a little bit in story development, character creation, just getting talent to do these. But I feel like they've hit a little bit of a slump for the last couple of years. But hopefully with the recommendation, the Tinder swindler, this and a few other things that I've seen, I'm hoping that they're trending back up considering they're charging me more. Yeah, Tom, take us out. All right, folks. Well, thanks for coming for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, On behalf of Gatto and Q, thanks for listening. Do us a favor again. Please give us a follow on Instagram and YouTube and all the social media platforms. We are streaming on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Apple, as it turns out, is um, where y'all like to listen. So definitely uh, give us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Make it five stars. We will give you candy. But we will see y'all next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Ah, fuck off. Ah, fuck off. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. And then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. (laughs)